Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. So, very excited um, for this interview. Um, so, I met uh, Caroline, Yeager, Caroline Yeager with um, through Irish Angels, which is a group that I'm in. I've been in since 2015. And then Caroline, I think, came in a couple of years later. Uh, and a uh, really interesting person, um, and I'll let her tell her story, but I, I think the, the reason why I wanted to talk with her was because I wanted to get a younger person's um, outlook on what, whether she be optimistic, pessimistic, uh, for the future markets, um, and what the outlook for the younger people. I mean, so I've got six kids. Um, my oldest is 25, and my youngest is 11, and they have a different viewpoint on, on where things are than I do. And so I wanna get folks from all areas to talk about these things. I've talked to about, uh, people about my age in their, in their 50s, but I wanted to talk to people in their 20s too. So Carolyn, thanks so much for, for doing the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, so just give us a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, tell us what you're doing now and uh, then we'll get into some of your background. Great, yeah, so I am currently an associate at what is now called Vitalize Venture Group. We have two entities within that, Irish Angels, as Joe mentioned, is our angel investing group, which has about 230 members. And then we also have a venture fund called Vitalize BC, and both operate under this umbrella of Vitalize Venture Group, and we do seed stage investing. Great, and so, um, Seed stage investing, some people may not understand what that means. Yes, so basically we look for really early stage companies. Um, the stage can vary, but typically they maybe have a little bit of revenue, some early traction, um, or they might be completely pre-revenue and pretty brand new companies. Um, we're really just looking for really talented founders that we can back um, and help them scale their companies. Great, so why don't you tell us about your upbringing and how you got from uh, Madison, Wisconsin to out there in San Francisco. Yeah, so I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, um, lived there my whole life till I went to college. Um, my parents always, as much as we loved Madison, they encouraged us to spread our wings and try something new for college. So I ended up going to Boston College um, where I double majored in math and psychology. Honestly, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with that. Uh, just really liked the two subjects. And so um, ended up doing some internships during the summers in college um, in business and decided that I was interested in business. So I went right after BC, I went to Notre Dame to pursue a master's of science and management, which was a one year program at Notre Dame focused on all of the core business classes. From there, um, I 
went to work for GE where I did their two year financial management program, basically rotating through different GE businesses. Um, I started in GE Capital and then went to GE Transportation and then went to GE Ventures. And I had the opportunity while I was at GE to live in a number of different places, including Chicago, Atlanta, London, and San Francisco. Um, ended up doing my fourth rotation at GE Ventures in San Francisco and really just kind of fell in love with the space. It was much different than the traditional corporate finance I was doing at GE. It was much more operational. Um, I had the opportunity to help incubate and grow a startup in the drone space that was um, being created within GE Ventures. And that's kind of what got me interested in the space. Ultimately, GE Ventures shut down and I made the move over to Irish Angels, which is now Vitalize Venture Group. That's great. So, so, um, so you've worked for some, uh, a pretty big company, GE. Mm -hmm. How big a company is that? When I was there, it was around 400,000 employees. Only 400,000? <laughs> yeah, pretty large, very different than what I'm doing now. It was definitely um, an adjustment and kind of a shock to my system going from that large of a company to when I joined Vitalize, we were four full-time employees and three part-time employees. Um, now I think we're about 10 total, but big change. Yeah, so uh, I'll get, kind of give my uh, experience now with, 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 with um, Irish Angels and Vitalize. So, um, Irish Angels is a group of investors that uh, have some sort of Notre Dame pedigree that um, come together quarterly. And it's, it's, I would say it's kind of like a, um, a shark tank type of situation where, where groups will present to, uh, to us their ideas for a business or a, one that's already going on. And then the, the different folks will ask questions and then um, we'll uh, decide whether to um, invest in them. And so the staff of that group, it, which includes Caroline, it, they basically vet these groups. So it's really hard to be one of the three that, that present and they make sure that they, they do it. And then once, once there are become a, a group that's invested in, then the staff really kicks in to make sure and help them get to the next stage. To kind of sum that up okay? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we talked to, to give a little context. I would say each of us on the team talked to maybe 50 to 60 companies every quarter. So we're talking to hundreds as a whole staff and then narrowing it down to three. Wow. That's so it must be a tough to make the cut, huh? Definitely. Yes. So um, tell, tell me a little bit about, so you, when you first came on with, um, with the group uh, that you're in presently, did you, did you go right to San Francisco? No, so I actually moved from San Francisco to Chicago to take the role at Irish Angels where we, were head, where we are headquartered. Um, and then after a year in Chicago, I moved back to San Francisco to focus on building out the firm's West Coast presence. And I'm really focused on sourcing deals out here in the Bay Area. That's great. So tell me what the climate's like, um, just generally, but, but not, not with this whole COVID thing. Tell me what the climate's like um, for what, what you do in Chicago versus the Bay Area. Yeah, it's a great question. They're very different. Um, I would say there's just so much going on out here in the Bay Area. Um, it's wild. Like 
there's almost too much where it's hard to figure out like what events I should be involved in, which ones I shouldn't be. There's something going on every single day. Uh, entrepreneurs basically have unlimited access to capital here because there are so many venture funds that if one says no to you, you can basically go around the corner and talk to another fund. Whereas in Chicago, um, there's definitely more up and coming these days, but um, the capital is more limited. There, There's kind of like a core group of funds that exists in Chicago, but that's really about it. Um, there's just not as much activity going on there. And so um, coming out here was definitely a big adjustment. Um, took a while to figure out like what connections to make, what events to go to, where to meet the right people to get plugged in. Um, but ultimately there's just so much going on here that um, you, you can't really miss it. It's, it's a good place to be. So um, I'm seeing some parallels here. You know, I'm a history guy. So, um, you probably learned, you know, about Lewis and Clark, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back in, you know, 1800, so we're looking at about, what, 220 years ago, they, they, they took off from St. Louis and they headed to Oregon, which, you know, then it became California, et cetera. And so you headed out for Irish Angels out to, uh, you're like our little Lewis and Clark person. How's the, how's the journey coming along? You haven't eaten the horses yet, have you? <laughs> no. It's come along really well, obviously a lot of uncertainty with COVID, but prior to COVID, um, I, I would say I got plugged in with a lot of accelerators and incubators here for folks that might not know what those are. Um, they're basically companies that are kind of like a venture fund, but much earlier stage where they're helping entrepreneurs that maybe just have an idea or don't quite have a company yet, helping them to build it into a company. Um, so a couple of examples of accelerators out here are like Y Combinator is a big popular one that a lot of people know of. Um, there's 500 Startups, Alchemist, Berkeley Skydeck, um, you name it, there's a lot of them. And so getting plugged into those types of programs is great for early stage investors because you are getting access to deals um, at a pretty early stage and I serve as a mentor to a lot of those founders as well. So that's been a good way for me to get plugged in here. So how long have you been out there now? I have been here since October. Um, so I guess about six months, a little over six months. And then you made some headway in that six months, you think? Yeah, I do think so. I've sourced a couple of deals out here that we've invested in. Um, and I've made a lot of great connections that I think will be beneficial to us going forward. Yeah, I, I, you know what, I, I think it's just a smart thing to do. I mean, if, if you're a, a group that is looking for entrepreneurs, they, they, they really grow out there and it's a mindset uh, mainly. That, so I think it's good that we're out there. Um, let's talk a little bit about this, um, this COVID issue. So now um, this hit, you know, sometime in, in uh, you know, from January, February, March, and then we went into these stay at home orders and, and um, I know California is um, pretty much still in a shelter in place, isn't it? Yes, I believe until June now. Okay, and then so has that stopped in place, you know, a lot of what you're doing? Well, it's definitely changed things. So I've connected with a lot of um, what we call co-investors, so other investors that we invest alongside. Um, and a number of funds have actually stopped investing right now in new deals because funds kind of have an obligation to focus on their existing portfolio and 
um, ourselves included, we're really focused on making sure that our portfolio companies can make it through this. A lot of them, especially in, um, I would say the retail space, like consumer products have taken a hit. Anywhere that has like a physical storefront has definitely taken a hit. Um, so we wanna make sure that our, all of our companies have enough cash for about 18 months of runway. Um, and so we're definitely investing more capital into our existing portfolio at this time. Um, however, we're still actively investing in new deals, um, but I know a lot of funds that I've talked to have completely stopped. So it's a little bit harder right now to find deal flow, um, but I've also seen valuations coming down, which I think is a trend that COVID has caused and might continue for a little while, which is great for investors um, and kind of incentivizes investors to keep investing in new deals because valuations were getting pretty crazy, especially out here. Um, and now they're starting to drop down a little bit. So, so in essence, then, if uh, if the valuations are coming down, and say that I wanted to invest in a company, my percentage of ownership goes up. Correct. Yeah. So it's it's not so great for founders. Obviously, founders usually want higher valuations, um, but it's good for investors to get in at at a lower valuation. Sure. And so, I, I can see though. With this going on, in every crisis, I mean, going back to, the, to when the Spanish flu hit, uh, way back when, um, America responded with the genius of responding to very difficult situations. I mean, we were in the middle of World War I, for goodness sake, and a third of the doctors uh, were over, you know, in Europe serving uh, when that hit. And I think we lost almost 700,000 Americans. Wow. Um, uh, and so, you know that's that was a a big a big hit, uh, but America survived. And th and this one here, there's going to be other businesses that are going to really take off because the way we're interacting. Like for example, we're interacting virtually here. That we sometimes you know we if we did an interview we'd be side by side and and etc. What industries do you see? coming out of this that will be something that'll be growing? Yeah, there's a few I've been looking into lately. Um, one example is teletherapy, I think is really going to take off. Um, it's kind of a hot space right now in venture because a lot of people that would normally see their therapists in person are now having to do it virtually, similar to just telehealth in general. Um, telemedicine, I think, is going to be a big space and is already growing pretty quickly. Um, also future of work. So just things like Zoom obviously is taking off right now. Um, anything that's like virtual meetings, I think is gonna be huge. Um, and even uh, virtual like vet appointments. I, I'm really looking into the veterinary space right now because I think it, it, it was kind of a hot space before this, but I think being able to shift it to virtual is gonna be big as well. So those are some of the spaces that we're looking into right now. Yeah, yeah and you would think like, you know, re remote diagnostics that would be able to be plugged in somehow and, um, you know, transferred to the MD or vet, uh, that, that would be, somewhat of a hot area, but um, it's, you know, I, I, whoever can analyze to make the um, communication like this better, less clunky, more intimate, I think is going to be a winner. It's just 
I think it's gonna be a lot of hard grinds for people to to figure that out and and actually to market it, right? Yeah, definitely. And the tough thing for investors is there are so many of these companies popping up right now because everyone sees these up and coming industries. And the tough thing as investors is really picking which one is going to be the winner because typically for a lot of these, there's one, maybe two big winners that go really big. And so how do you find out which one is going to be the right one at such an early stage is something that's pretty hard to do. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about your journey now. So, so you started out in, in uh, Madison and um, tell me a little bit about um, some of the, you know, in, in your young life, some of the mentors that you've had that have been game changers for you. Oh, gosh, yes. I've had quite a few mentors along the way. Um, I would say my first uh, significant mentor was in college at Boston College. He was uh, actually a priest called Father Neenan, and he would walk around the campus just saying hi to everyone. Like, everybody knew who, who he was. He was the most friendly guy ever. And I was a freshman and feeling really homesick. It was my first time away from home. I was living on the East Coast. People were different. It was a different environment. Um, and I would call my parents every day saying I wanted to transfer to Wisconsin. <laughs> and one day I was eating lunch by myself in the cafeteria and this old man, Father Neenan, comes and sits down with me and says, hi, friend, how are you? And I had never met him before. I'm like, who is this guy? Why is he talking to me? Um, we ended up having like a two hour long lunch conversation. I told him I was thinking of transferring to Wisconsin. Turns out he was from the Midwest as well um, and asked me if I wanted to come by his office later that week. So I went, had another meeting with him, and just like developed a great friendship, ended up working in his office for the rest of my college career um, and would have like weekly lunch chats with him just um, he really became a great mentor to me he convinced me to stay at BC um, he had kind of like a tough love he basically said to me so if you transfer to Wisconsin what are you going to do are you going to go home and hang out with all your high school friends and just do the same thing you used to do like he was very tough but he he's like no you need to stay here and you need to stick it out and it turned out to be the right piece of advice for me um that's i like that so let's let's dissect that a little bit so number one thing that, that i get out of that is um is that reach out to people so um you know i i, I think you know it, this applies to school to, to business to everything is to make sure that we're always cognizant of folks that maybe are feeling a little marginalized a little lonely um and, you know, I think it's incumbent on every individual to be able to understand and have a, a sensitivity to that. And it sounded like he was sensitive to the fact that, you, number one, you were eating alone. I'm getting a pretty bad image here of you sitting there alone. And I'm hopeful that if I was in that situation, I would sit down with you. I mean, like, like this good priest. But number one, connecting with people and, and letting them tell their story. So that seems like a great skill. Hopefully you've taken that and, and kind of try to pass it on, huh? Definitely. Yeah, I've, I've, I've helped mentor a lot of folks, especially entrepreneurs, um, other people looking to get into venture, like young people in college. Um, I'm always happy to help because I definitely want to pass on the values that he taught to me. That's great. And so, and then, you know, the, the thing I like about that story was that, 
that number one, he engaged with you and then and let you tell your story about your fear and, and, and you know, sadness you had. But then he empowered you by, by basically saying, hey, listen, let's talk about the alternatives, what's, what, what's happened, and then basically, you know, time for you to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that's important for people. You know, I went away from my home three hours away for college. And I remember being that sitting alone type thing. And, and then I went to Notre Dame for law school and being that same way. But I think that's kind of the rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. I think it's hard for, it's a tough transition for people the first time, but definitely something I have, I have grown the most from that experience. Yeah, that's great. So then um, how about when you, um, uh, let's talk about any other mentors you got. That, that was a great one. I'm going to remember him. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away um, a couple months after I graduated from BC, but I was very lucky to have him during my whole four years there. Yeah. Any other um, mentors? Other mentors. So I've, I've had a few really good mentors at my time at GE. Um, and then I would say uh, Gail, the managing director of Irish Angels and Vitalize, has been a great mentor to me as well. So there have been a number throughout my professional career that um, I've just been able to learn a ton from. And they're the type of people that are always there if, you know, I can pick up the phone at any time and call them for not just career advice, but life advice, um, things like that. That's great. And so um, now... Um, Caroline won't tell you this, but she's a pretty dang good golfer. Pretty dang good golfer. Tell, tell us about your golf game. How's that coming along? It's good. My course is actually opening up today, so I'm going this evening. <laughs> I took, I, we went, uh, I went with my son last night, and it was, uh, it was a twilight play, and it was, uh, I think it was down to 40-some degrees, but my, my son and I, Will, were just like loving life. We were out there on the course, hardly anybody out there. We were walking the whole way. It's a, it's a, it's a cart courses required carts or whatever and we were walking it and it just felt so good so tell us a little bit about your golf background yeah so I grew up playing golf I think I started when I was three or four um, but didn't really get super into it till high school um, I had a coach Peggy who lived in my neighborhood so I grew up with her and she coached the high school team um, and so freshman year I, I wasn't very good I was shooting in the 90s maybe even in the hundreds and I was like determined to make varsity. And so I spent countless hours. I, I, I remember I'd be on the golf course on the putting green until it was pitch black and my mom would come to get me and basically drag me home. Um, and I spent every day all summer playing in tournaments. I would drive myself like four hours to get to all these different tournaments and basically just like dedicated my life to getting better. And I improved pretty quickly, um, ended up winning state in high school, placing six individually, winning as a team. Um, and just, it kind of developed into a skill that I feel like has helped me a lot throughout my life, even in like my business career. Um, and is just a great lifelong sport. So uh, have you played with Michael Jordan yet? No. <laughs> So um, we, I've been watching this last dance. Have you, have you watched any of that? No, but I've heard about it. Okay. So, so anyway, we, we, we've been watching this last dance. Uh, you know, I, I moved to Chicago in 92. Um, I grew up in Yakima, Washington, and then went to law school at Notre Dame. And my wife, she's from Chicago. That's why I ended up in Chicago. And so right when I moved back, uh, it was after their first championship. Her parents uh, lived, you know, right on this golf course. 
and it was the middle of the finals uh, in Chicago. And I look out on the course, and there is Michael Jordan playing 36 holes the day of a game. And it's, you know, the game starts at seven, and he's walking 36, or he's playing 36. I'm like, wow, this guy. So, I, you know, the one thing about him is I was watching, they have a lot of clips from it. And, um, you know, he, that, that guy loves to play golf. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a really fun sport and it's one that you can play. Um, I mean, until you're, you're pretty old. So it's fun to get out there and play whenever I can. Yeah. And do you play with your family at all? Play, play uh, some golf? Yeah, we play together whenever we're all together. Um, and then my boyfriend is obsessed with golf. So we joined a, a course here and we play pretty much any chance we can get. That's great. And, and are you able to get some good ocean views when you play? Uh, there's not ocean views from our course, but I do love a good ocean view. I've played, I've been lucky to play a lot of like famous courses like St. Andrews and things like that. And they're just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, um, tell me some, uh, some key moves that you made, you know, professionally that, and, and academically that you made to put you in this position. Cause, listen, you got an, I think you've got a pretty exciting career going here. Um, you know, and if there's some young listeners you know, watching this, they may have some fears of, of going to different things or whatever. What kind of advice could you give somebody that's, for example, in college about some of the moves that you've made to get, to get where you're at? Yeah, I would say the biggest one is, well, two things. One is learning from experiences that you've had. So for example, in college, I interned in marketing and hated it. I did a social media internship, hated it. Um, I did a internship in politics um, when I was a junior in college and hated that, realized all these things weren't for me. So trying things and learning that they're not for you is not a failure, but it's, I took it as like, okay, that's, you know, I'm, I'm checking all these things off my list and getting closer to finding the right thing for my career path. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. And then the second would be trusting your gut and listening to your mentors. So I, as I mentioned, I had a lot of mentors um, at GE and one of the biggest and hardest decisions for me was whether or not to leave GE because I had a great time there. I learned a ton. I worked with incredible people and I was really excited about the opportunity at Irish Angels, but I was worried about leaving GE. And I had some mentors that told me to go for it. I had others that told me I should stay at GE. And so it came down to really just trusting my gut, despite what everyone was telling me, um, but also listening to their feedback and taking it to heart. And ultimately, it was definitely the right decision for me. That's great. And then t tell me some, do you have one or two or three habits that, you know, personal habits that, that you have in your life to make you successful professionally? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, do you mean like professional habits or like personal habits? Yeah, personal habits. So like, for example, I, there was, I, I, uh, I listened to a, the Wall Street Journal last, last um, weekend had a, a really good section. It was all these commencement speeches. Mm -hmm. um, they were limited to, I don't know, a dozen paragraphs. They're all pretty good one of the guys that wasn't in the paper, but I'd watched on YouTube was um, a military fella 
who was giving a uh, speech. He was a general, and he, his number one thing that he told graduates of, I think it was a military academy or may, may not then, said, listen, the number one habit is make your bed. You know, uh, basically get up, make your bed. Now, I don't make my bed, my, you know, I, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, but there's like certain, you know, like I've seen with, with successful people, they have certain habits that keep them effective. Some people, you know, are religious about making sure they exercise 45 minutes a day or an hour. Some people, you know, uh, they say George Washington woke up every morning when the sun came up and then he went to bed when the sun went down, all these types of things. I mean, what are the Caroline Yeager habits that she's, you know, you're young, I get it, but what are your habits you have right now that make you effective? Mine definitely is exercise first thing in the morning. I get right out of bed and I do either a, a run or a bike ride and then I walk my dog and then I drink celery juice every morning. <laughs> celery uh, juice? Does that taste any good? It doesn't taste very good, but there's, there's a lot of research going around right now that celery juice reduces inflammation in your body and is just good for like overall digestion and just supposedly has a ton of all these positive benefits. So I've been trying it for maybe four or five months now. And I honestly do feel a difference. Like I think if I stopped drinking it, I would just not feel great. So what, what's the brand you're drinking right now? Um, I just do it myself. So you buy celery, blend it in the blender, squeeze it through a nut milk bag, and then you have fresh celery juice. Oh my gosh. So it's Jaeger brand? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> well, hey, hey, I think we got a startup here. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so here, here's the question I have. Very important question for you. Okay. You've got that six foot putt. Mm -hmm. You are, you need to make this putt in order to win. What goes through your mind when you're going to approach that putt? So I, this might sound cheesy, but I envision the putt and I envision the ball going in. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book. I'm blanking on the name of the book. Uh, I'll send it to you later. Dr. Bob is the author, but there's a really good book about golf and it's all about envisioning the ball going where you want it to go. And I find that when I do that, it always does. And when I forget to do that, then it's all over the place. <laughs> so so your, your big thing is you, you, do you close your eyes and envision or are you just in your mind envision it? Just in my mind, envision it. You don't have to close your eyes, but just envision it going in and then just do the putt. Like, don't overthink the putt. Okay, so then let, let's just talk about the other. These are very important questions. These are the real reason why I want to interview because I want to talk to a really good golfer. So the next thing is, okay, so you need to par that last 18th hole. Okay? You need to par it, okay? And you've you got water on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Are you pulling out that driver or are you going to, are you going to get down and, and use those irons? Driver every time. Okay. Why? Well, my drives go straight down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever worry about water on the sides, but I think okay. everyone should pull out their driver and the more you practice with it, the more consistent, all about consistency. Okay. That's good. That's good. I like that. Listen, are you reading any good books right now? Tell us any good books that you've read. Oh, gosh. That is a good question. It's been a while since I've read a good book. Um, 
a couple months ago, I read the, that Marie Kondo book about like tidying up. And I actually find that to be really useful. Um, not so much work related, but just getting rid of clutter is a great thing. Right, right. And so you want, you're, you're the type of person that wants to have that workspace that there's a surface that there's nothing on it, right? Yeah, I'm more productive that way. That's great. Well, listen, I, I wanted to, to touch base with you. I'm hoping that this is the entree to the conversation because as we follow your career, I got a feeling that you're going to be moving up and up and up and going to be a very powerful person in this industry. You already are because you, you do a great job with the Irish Angels and Vitalize, and I really appreciate everything you do for, for us in that because, you know, you guys follow the investments and keep us on track and exactly what's going on. So I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you so much. And I don't know who the listeners are for this, but would be happy to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more. Um, always love to help others get into the industry. How can they contact you? Um, they can email me caroline at vitalize.vc or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Great. And then, um, and so, um, one thing that you can tell uh, about people that like what they do is that they, you know, they get up early morning, they drink that celery juice, and they're ready to rock. So thank you so much, Caroline. I really appreciate your time, and we will check in with you later. Great. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.